So last week, we won't go over last week, but last week we were out of this world. Um, for those of you who weren't here, uh, that's okay. You can listen to it, which might, it was actually, um, Jason and I were talking about this afternoon. But it's, it's, it's an area that's not talked about by the church much, um, which is really what's going on in the heavenly realm. And the scripture has a lot more to say about that than we can sometimes recognize. And we saw some of that last week. Um, it can seem to sort of get weird because it is weird. It's not part of our our earthly realm. It's part of the spiritual realm. If you guys remember um, in our studies before that, you know, we had that diagram, you know, with um, the timeline. And then we had, you know, the earthly realm versus the heavenly realm that we've used in our different studies. Well, this was touching on that heavenly realm. Um, so it's online. I've got everything updated again. So if you guys oh. want to listen to it, you can listen. listen oh, it's to online? It. Oh, yeah, okay. Online. Yep, yep. Is it on the, uh, the church website? Not on the, well, it actually, you know, the funny thing is it actually is on the, it's not on the church website, but I do think I put it on the church app. You can just go, actually, so you guys know, you can either go, I mean, I, I provide links in the email. So you get my email, you have links to that. Um, but I do think, yeah, so let's see if that's, yeah, um, it needs to be updated. It'll update tonight. Um, but if you go to media, just like you can listen to sermons and stuff, the yeah. secret is I don't tell anybody, is if you scroll down, you'll see Men's Tuesday Night Podcast. Oh, okay. And that's where you can listen to this. Okay. Um, and I do try, like I've said before, I try to edit out anything that gets highly personal that I don't want to share, you know, online. Um, and if you guys ever like say something or you think, oh, I know Greg's going to post this. I don't want to post this part. Just let me know and I'll cut that out. But generally, um, it's most of, most of what we have here. So, um, Okay, so anyway, let's, um, we're gonna, we're gonna just talk about things like raise people from the dead. Normal things tonight. <laughs> um, so why don't we that turn? Me today. Oh, I'll take that. I'll take that. You and I look at each other. Yeah, let's go back to the normal. Okay. Do I have to um, take a number? <laughs> Alright, so John 11. I want to read the whole chapter and see who wants to volunteer to do that. So it's somewhat lengthy, um, but it, uh, it's good to actually read through this whole story um, and sort of get the whole context of it. And if you, so again, like I've said many times, and we'll say most of the time we read through this. So as we're reading through, what I want you to do is I would say, listen to the Spirit. Listen to God speaking to you through his word and go, you know, and find things that you go, oh, either I want to know more or you feel like, oh, I didn't see that before or anything that just sort of, you know, sticks with you um, as we're reading through this story. All right. So just sort of listen to the spirit, I would say, as, as we go ahead and do that. So who feels like they've got a lot of breath? And wants, wants to read for a little bit. Um, I'll give it a whirl. All right, there we go. I wasn't here last week. i got to make up. Okay. Do you want to follow along with one of these, or do you want to do it in your phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably best. Thank yeah. you. Sorry. Page 68. 68. Thank you. That's um, 12 years younger than me. 
The death of Lazarus. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place he was, where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews are, we were, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but, but they thought he meant making excuse me, he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the, ho- in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus weeps. When she said, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with him, her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Jesus raises Lazarus. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time... 
there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen uh, strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The plot to kill Jesus. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this on his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one in, into one the children of God who were scattered about abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness, to a town called Ephraim, where there he, and there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know, so that they might arrest him. Amen. Thank you. Hey, Daniel. You just read the Johnny Love. Yeah. So. Um, hey. This is a familiar story. Everyone knows about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. But you probably, having read through it now and hearing it again, is there anything that like sticks out to you that you don't remember hearing before? Or, um... I just remember in, in the uh, King James Version, Mary said, But Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> I'm sorry, but order just doesn't yeah. quite translate. That's cute. That's <laughs> true. That's actually, I think, a key thing because uh-huh. we heard we heard four days twice in that passage. Yeah. Good. So you got to know that the guy's dead in order for that miracle to be as profound as it was. Profound as it was. So. That's a realization from the people realizing that, you know, decomposition starts, what, after day three, day whatever. Yeah. So, but they do, in this passage, it was, it, it, it said four days twice, so mm-hmm. that is giving the, you know, the, the definitive death of Lazarus. Right. They're making sure he's really dead. Yeah. 
Not mostly dead. <laughs> Not mostly dead, but really dead. Right. And I suppose that's why Christ waited two days. He wanted to make sure that... It, that's exactly why. He, he waited did. four days. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. He, he stayed away on purpose. For four days, right from the time. Yeah, in fact, we don't know. It could be that by the time even he heard it, Lazarus could have already been dead. Um, we don't know. But, but he's been dead, as you just said. They make the emphasis he's been dead four days. Um, because he doesn't hurry to get back. No. Yeah. Well, cat and mouse is really a bad term for this, but the what is oh, cat and mouse? Cat and mouse. Uh huh. But he like he knew this, but he didn't know. He but he didn't. But he didn't know it. But yet he knew that he did know it. <laughs> and then he would say like, "Well, where is he?" Well, now he knew where he was, and there's all of this stuff that he played out uh-huh. so that they would hear this whole thing, and it was. Uh, it was a dance. Mm-hmm. And you get the idea that he's leading that dance. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's just like... <laughs> yeah. 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 It's some acting in parables. Like he... like he, Right? He teaches in parables. Yeah. And he, mm-hmm. he played kind of dumb to what you're talking about for and for a reason. To get the people thinking, I guess. But. Well, what is... Okay, so what is the reason? I mean, he tells us what... The, just like he says four days. He tells us the reason why he's yeah. doing all this. What's the reason? So what you may say that. The what? So that you will see this and that you may believe. Exactly. And what else? What el- What else is the reason why? God would be glorified. Very good. Excellent, Eric. I mean, he says that right off in verse 4. Um, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So very specifically, he's doing this for the glory of the Father and for the glory of him. Uh, yeah. And the disciples kept saying, well, why are you doing this? And Martha goes, well, of course you can do this. So she got it more than the disciples did. And she was the one part where she says, Lord, you can do this. But they never did. They still, it's like they never did get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, why did Thomas say, let's all go and we can all die? Well, I know, that, that, was, that is always... Odd. <laughs> no, you know, that's actually, that's funny you say that, because mm-hmm. it, it strikes me as odd. But it's it's interesting, though, it's Thomas, right? Because we know, at the very end of John, Thomas is going to take a real central role. All right, and we all call, call him what? What's Doubting he known Thomas. Yeah, Doubting Thomas. But here, he sort of leads the effort. Um, I'm sure he has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> You know, I don't actually know the answer to that, Gil. I, and I didn't really look at that, but it, it struck me too about, that's a, sort of an odd thing. Like, let's, let's go die. Um, let us also go that we may die with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think it, it leads to kind of just showing a little bit of his personality? He's just slightly jaded. He's all in. But like, yeah, he's yeah, cool. he's, I mean, he's seeing Christ potentially being killed just in the previous chapter. And, um, so he's just kind of expecting, uh, insurrection and people to be coming after them and a little bit. Yeah, yeah he's not speaking of Lazarus. He's, yeah, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Fine. Yeah. If he wants to go get killed, then let's go die with him. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Ultimately. Oh, yeah. oh I, I, I didn't get that. Yeah. That, that makes was, sense. Yeah. Yeah, it requires a little. Oh, thinking? Well, no, just read going through it. Well, wait a minute, that's not happening. Yeah, yes, thinking. But, but yeah, more than I, I, I've more wondered than about that for years, and now I understand it. Thank you. 
Ike. I've got a question. Yeah, he, uh-huh. there's two references references specifically to being Jesus being deeply moved. The yes. second one of which mm-hmm. is not that much Excellent. further aft. Says deeply moved yes. again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, so I want you to now now mm-hmm. look. So mostly we we all uh, probably have all heard that the shortest verse in in the Bible is what we just is in between that. Okay. So that's one thing to note here. It is very good, Mike. Is this is like an inclusio. Remember our good old inclusio? There's, there, it says it once and it says it again. What's the center of this is Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. And so, so a couple things. One is you are getting a, a picture of the deep, deep, deep emotional being that Jesus is in his humanity. I mean, he is just like us. And so, so in answer your question, the Greek for that word deeply moved mm-hmm. is the, the um, how do I say it? It's the most emotive possible word in Greek. Okay, so it's it's Jesus is saying something that there, there's a word to talk about the strongest possible emotion that you can feel. Mm-hmm. This is the word. Okay, mm-hmm. and they say it twice. So you're really getting the idea of how Jesus, his, when people say, oh, well, it says what in Hebrews that he can, um, he can, what's the word? He can relate to all the things we've gone through because he's gone through it. Mm-hmm. All right. Here is an example of that. You know, does Jesus know what it's like to have someone die? Does Jesus know what it's like to grieve? I mean, all those <laughs> things get sort of answered in this, in this passage right here. Just those couple, um, sentences that Jesus feels the greatest extent of emotions humanly possible. In, in that regard, when they, in the chosen, which is <clears throat> his relationship with Lazarus, is so beautifully done that they were childhood friends, hmm. and and there's a, a deep bond between them, friends, friends bond. Uh-huh. Uh, and that that just, I mean, that that part of it was conceptual, right? But um, but shows the depth of their friendship. I hadn't thought about that before I saw it in the Well, and you, and you hear that all the way through. It's going, coming up where it talks about how, uh, where does it, where does it begin? Oh, yeah, here it is. At the very beginning in, in 11.3, so the, Mary and Martha sent, the sisters sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love. That's, yeah. Okay. Is ill. Alright. And then, um Five. Yeah. And then what? Now Jesus loved Martha and yes. his sister and Lazarus. Yeah. So you just keep hearing this over and over again. There is one, um, a lot of people, people have debated about who really, who wrote John. You know, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning. Um, because the person, it, John never uses his name. <laughs> like who wrote this gospel? Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's been different, Thoughts on that because really the person who wrote it identifies himself as the one who Jesus loved. I mean that's that's how that's that's how the person identifies himself here. He doesn't say I'm John. He doesn't open like Paul does. You know I'm Paul the apostle writing this letter to you. And so one of the uh, thoughts has been maybe it was Lazarus who actually wrote John. Now we talked about. I mean I don't. Probably think it is, but it's Wait, one of Lazarus the ones. Lazarus was dead. But no, but, but no, he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't alive. Exactly. He missed the yeah. beginning. <laughs> no, I don't, but you, you, but you, but, get, but, you but, 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 um, 
John talks about um, the the one that Jesus loved was right. le- leaning on his shoulder at the last supper. Right. So, but that's yeah. I, I I'm just I'm not saying I'm just letting you know that some people have thought maybe it was Lazarus because people try to go by who does Jesus most love, and here you see Lazarus as being the one here in the middle of John who Jesus loved. You know, in the sense that he rose raised him from the dead. Anyway, I'm just just throwing that. You might hear that some, at some point. Some someone say, "Oh, well, who wrote John?" Um, I think, as we went through from the very beginning, much more it's the yeah, one of the apostles. I mean, sorry, one of the disciples of John. I'm sorry, one of the disciples of Jesus who is named John, who wrote John. Um, but people have different thoughts on that. So there you go. Anyway, so what else? What else do you guys, do you guys hear in here? Um, that's sort of that's good, Mike. You've seen that about the deeply moved part, yeah, Eric. Um, I was impressed with um, a teaching metaphor that uh, begins in uh, nine. Um, they're saying, you know, you're going to go and see Lazarus, and they're looking for you to kill you. And then he launches into this metaphor about walking in the daytime because the light is out. Yeah. And you can see so you won't stumble. Mm-hmm. But then uh, in 10, he says, if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. It's not in him. Right. And so that's the, the metaphor that he's talking about. He's on a whole different level. And, um, and that then circles around. And talks about Lazarus falling asleep, mm-hmm. and so uh, it's good, all huh? about perspective. Uh-huh. You know, we stumble because the light is not in you, the Holy Spirit's not in you. You can't see it, and you'll stumble if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole hidden sub sermon message that's just inje- in- injected right here. Yeah, very good. And I, I wonder. It sounded. As we were going through it, like a non sequitur, it sounded like it like didn't came out of nowhere, right? It came out of nowhere. Yeah, I, just, thought, I thought, well, huh? <laughs> so it, it, it just shows he's operating on a different level. Anybody? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and I think well, and I, yeah, I, I think he's this this theme of light just goes through John, right? We we we've been seeing light, light. I am the light of the world. I am. You just constantly see light is. The metaphor for the the presence and glory of God, um, and part of that light thing can also be like if you have the Spirit inside of you and you have that light, now's the time to be doing things, <laughs> okay? Because in fact, we have I think it might have been the chapter before because it's going to be dark. Some so point in the world, it's going to be dark. Right now, you have the opportunity with the light inside of you. So go and share that light. Go and make, it, make that difference. Share Christ to others. Love others. Be Christ in the world today because the light is here right now. Did you, did you mention about the 12 hours in the day? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But did you, so the 12, that struck me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 12 hours in the day. How many of them were there? <laughs> 12. 12. 12 hours of daylight. Right. 12 right? hours of daylight. Yeah. I think that, that to me is prophetic 
Jesus is laying down some prophecy that we're going to see come to light later in the in the in the book, and uh, that struck me. Good. Twelve hours of daylight. Anyway, uh, I think they probably looked at one another. Um, what else? What else you guys see? What else? other? What is the definition of a rabbi? Of a what? Rabbi. Teacher. Rabbi. Teacher. So, so but a I'm rabbi. Not. Yeah. So in Jesus's day. A rabbi is a a teacher. A teacher. Any other he, qualifications? Yes, they will have gone through all this Jewish education, all right, to become a rabbi. So a rabbi is, I'm gonna say you get like, it's not, it, not, I don't know if you get a degree. You don't get a degree necessarily, but but basically you do, okay. And you are then looked at as someone who's learned or, and who is a rabbi. Some ordination process. Yeah, well. Again, I don't know. If I don't know if there's like an ordination, but there's a whole series of training and stuff that they would put people that people went through. No age. Is there well, age requirement so or marriage? Usually, or a ra- you become a rabbi and you are looked at when you're 30 years old. 30. Which okay. coincidentally, yeah. 30. <laughs> is when Jesus starts uh, his ministry. Uh, and also, you know, it's interesting because some of the people were looking at him saying, "Where did you get taught?" You know, and there's not really an answer to that. But, and they will call him a rabbi, but rabbis had followers. Okay. Now, usually, Jesus does something different than a normal rabbi, because the the rabbis in those days, people would come and ask, hey, Daniel, you know, he's a rabbi. Hey, Daniel, I'm going to follow you. You know, I want to be under your teaching, really. So that was a very common thing to have happen. The irony is that um, people don't come up to Jesus and say, I want to be your disciple. Jesus calls his disciples. Mm. Um, so there's always a little bit of that you know, distinction that is, is he a rabbi? Well, people call him a rabbi. Well, we know who he Actually, we find out here again who he is. <laughs> so... How about anyone else as far as... I think something that's interesting that came up last week, we did this... Oh, week. yeah, yeah, tell, yeah, I'd love to hear it with the kids. You did it with the kids. Yeah, well, the the part in verse 10 came up was the, uh, what Eric was mentioning, and that was like a big part of the conversation. And what, how did that go? I mean, what did they... Um, did they raise that, or did yes, you? Yes, uh-huh. yes, like, I mean... A lot of it was just about, um, like the, the part, but if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. It's such an important principle. Right. It, it, just, just the principle of like, we need Christ to do, hmm. to do the things he wants us to do. Okay. Um, and I thought that was a really powerful conversation, but the other thing that came up was where it speaks about Jesus wept, you know, and one of the kids was asking, well, why is he weeping? Because he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And it brought something kind of interesting, like, as I was getting ready to do the study last week, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't, like, we can assume that he's weeping because of Lazarus, but it doesn't explicitly say. And then as I started to read all these commentaries, uh-huh. I don't even know what my, like, viewpoint on this is, but it brings up an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. That, like, essentially, like, maybe he's weeping for something other than Lazarus. Maybe he's weeping because of the state of the world and like understanding that like because of our sins like we have death and like he also knows that like 
as he's doing this, as he raises Lazarus from the dead, he's going to then experience death himself. Which, like, obviously he conquers, but he's going to experience mm-hmm. that separation from the Father. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, weeping for those who've experienced that, like, separation as well as some of the theories, which... I mean, yeah, it's cool. and I, I just thought, I thought yeah, it was an great. interesting thing that's to look great. at. And, and so that strike the kids as far yeah, as Yeah, like, I mean, as... like, I'd study that mm-hmm. and just to kind of know it. And right. it wasn't really, like, where I was planning on, like, the main part of the conversation going. But it, it kind of is where it went. And mm-hmm. I thought it was a valuable conversation. Do you think that it could... This is now, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. Where are you reading from, right now? Uh, 33. So that's that's what happens prior to that. So I think it, it to me, it, it, it says that in his humanness, mm-hmm. right? He felt the, the deep pain of her faith in him and that he was using this as an example for the world, yet and she didn't understand that. Mm. And the pain that he had to put her through in order for this to occur was so great that he felt that deepest mm. sorrow. I had a different take on that. <laughs> well, I, th- I yeah, think that I think, sorrow that, yeah. that like you're ta- Jason talked about like, is for sure part of it. But I almost wonder, like, could, could there be like another layer of like, like sure. he, there's that as well as like he understands the separation that all those who die without him mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. And, like, this really is good. just his like this is his firsthand experience of it. But like he has a much deeper and fuller understanding of it than the average person losing their friend would have. Right. Sure. And that goes a little bit to one of the, so what's interesting that word going back to what Mike said about deeply moved that's used twice. That word in normal Greek usage usually means someone who's very angry. Mm. Okay. Mm. And so it could go a little bit along with what Chad's saying. Mm -hmm. It also could be expressing not just simply a compassion, but also a sense of, I'm so angry. The corruption of the world. The death is even here. Exactly. All right. So it goes a little bit along with what you just said there. Yeah. So, Eric, yeah. I want to turn 90 degrees with this. Go ahead. So going back to 39, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had also come uh, with her weeping, it goes on. <clears throat> they they know who he is, and he's taken the trouble to come and to who be is there. they when you say they? Oh, um, Martha and Mary okay. and and, uh, and the other people who are outside the team weep to weeping. Mm-hmm. They're all together. They know who he is. And I, my position is, Jesus goes to that circumstance and seeing them weeping and with deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled, uh-huh. I, I think is that he felt sorry that they knew what he was, but their belief was so shallow that he was disappointed in their belief that that he came there to do something and because of his concern and love for them and for Lazarus, and and yet I think that he was sad because they still didn't get it, and they were the closest ones that would have known who he is and what he could do. But that's reading an awful lot into yeah, it. It's, it it's right on the surface, very clear that he, you know, it's just why don't we just take it as it is? He wept. 
he's, he knew what was coming to him. He knew what, all of the things that you've said. I don't think we need to read into anything regarding anybody else. I, I, I take it, yeah, that he was angry and troubled in his spirit because of what he put them through, mm-hmm. knowing full well what he was going to do. And mm-hmm. he knew that they were hurting. For four days they've been hurting. Yeah. And like that, that hurt him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the big, the big picture. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Is, which yeah. is why he goes through the trouble of then explaining to her. Yeah. Right? And well, then he wept. And then he wept. Then, yeah, then he goes through like, and asking her the questions that verify, do you believe these things? Right. Do you understand what's going to go on here? Right. And, do we ever uh, get an account of where Lazarus was of those four days of death? Well, I mean, where he is, where, where, his, soul where his consciousness was. Correct. No, no, we don't. We just know that his body is in its point of decay, like you said, wrapped. But there's no <clears throat> scripture. It, it brings up an interesting thing. The scripture, our idea of what happens when we die, is is largely. Speaking about it, is yeah. largely taken from Greek mythology and not from the Bible. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, if you listen to most people, they will talk in a way like when you die, your soul is now sort of in this state of, ooh, and you're like going, your soul is now separate from your body, okay, and you're some, you're, you're a soul, not a body, okay, it, yeah. Now, I don't know, we don't know the answer to this, but the interesting thing is in Scripture, and Jesus' example of this, is you don't ever see a soul separate from the body. That's correct, yeah. You are always, Scripture always looks at the person, treats, this is Old Testament, New Testament, treats us always as a full, holistic, holistic, mind, body, soul, everything. Okay, Greek mythology and the Greek religions and other religions talk about, you know, the soul and the spirit being separate from that or somehow be like disembodied. You don't see that actually happen in scripture. So what's interesting in this, we don't know because scripture doesn't tell us this, is what happens when Jesus, when he dies? Okay, he says in 1 Corinthians 15 that he is a first fruits of what's going to happen when we are going to be die and resurrected. Mm. Well, we don't know, and I don't know, that <laughs> these scriptures have to say. But even Paul, notice how Paul talks. He doesn't say, when I die, my spirit's going to be with Jesus, or my soul's going to be with Jesus. I he says, be. I am going to be with Jesus. Yep. When the, the thief on the cross dies, I will be with you, with you in paradise. Yep. So, I don't know, it sort of gives me a little bit of a hope, like, we're not, like, this, we're always, when we die, I don't know whether we fully get a resurrected body at that point, or somehow that whole body comes later, but there's there's a sense that we are still really all of us. Now, our body, physical body, it also says in 1 Corinthians, is, is, is dead, right? But we're given an imperishable body, imperishable body, so... When does that happen? No one really knows. Do we have any idea on how Lazarus, Lazarus mm-hmm. remained or lived the rest of no. his life? No. That seemed to me to be kind of important. They, they, they plotted to kill him. So chances yeah. are he was probably killed. 
I mean, he's yeah. in the story, and then he's not really in the story anymore, and you never hear of him dying in scripture. Um, I'm sure he died <laughs> a second death, you know, or something. Anyway, it's interesting how scripture, how scripture, our ideas, and even how we talk in memorials as Christians is not necessarily always biblical. I'd much rather say, you know, this person's now with Christ. Then I would say his soul or his spirit is with mm-hmm. Christ. It's like you're there. It's, he he addresses it here, and that was one of the things I was going to bring up that I thought was just so just clear and simple, and just beautiful in that regard. He says, when uh, Martha said to him, "I know that he will rise again in the resurrection." Where are you at now? The, this is 40. this is twenty four. Twenty four. Okay. Uh huh. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, mm-hmm. I am the resurrection and the life. Mm-hmm. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Mm-hmm. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Mm-hmm. Do you believe this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... I love how he caps it with, do you believe this? Uh, yes. <laughs> then just say yes. <laughs> And, we're gonna, and you'll live for <laughs> That's it. You're asking good questions. Do. I think. I mean, <laughs> some of the stuff we know, some of the stuff we don't. It's I want to know where he was when he died, where yeah, he was I for those four days. Yeah. I think it needs to be added to the Bible somewhere. <laughs> probably in limbo because when Jesus knew the second he died. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Jesus mm-hmm. probably captured him, his soul, and protected him and just left him in that limbo state. Because we're to assume or to believe, honestly, that when Jesus resurrected him, that he gave him a new body, you know, that he filled his whole inner being and his all his cells with, you know, newness. Because yeah, otherwise, the decay, that's the decay would be falling. He'd be like a, ne- a necrotic, you know, zombie walking around. You know what I mean? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. No, that's a good point. You're making. I, I never thought about that. You know what I mean? He filled his body yeah. with light and resurrected every cell of his body, not just his body, sure. but every cell of his body huh. and his soul, his spirit, huh. and brought him back into the living. Yeah. You know, like the Bible says, we're not going to fix your heart. I'm going to give you a new heart. Uh-uh. So why Jesus, God gave him a new body. Just boom, done. I, I, I think of, I think of the Bible itself as the flesh of the spirit of the word. The, the, it is a book. It's a thing. It has tangibility. I've seen that. Yeah. It has skin. Right? And it's alive. Yes. <laughs> Living yeah, Lord right? God. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, it, everything that is, that tangible, from last week, that whole, the heavenly realm to the, the earthly, the, why are we in flesh? Why is Jesus coming there? This, the whole connection of the body and the spirit as a singularity. Yeah. And even, even the construct of God himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in one thing. Right? Fascinating. Yeah, it essentially what you're saying is I hadn't thought about it. I was reading today one of the commentaries, and they were talking about, so you know, so the Jews, when someone died, so just to get an idea of why do you see this happen this way, is when someone would die, they immediately would put them in, usually into an op- like a tomb like this. So it's like a, a, a tomb where they would lay the body, and then they would wrap the body in the linen, and they would put spices all over it. Okay, and to to sort of get rid of the decomp the smell of the decomposition, 
but one of the commentaries was talking about they actually would wrap the face really tight because your jaw, this sounds really gross, right? but your jaw and every, yeah, everything just starts to decompose, right? So I never thought about what you just said because it's like he comes out and obviously someone who's been sure. decomposing is now fully okay. alive again, which I'm not stinking. Who knows? That's stinking, yeah. 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 That's stinking. It's not just not stinking, but it's like he's got to have a new body, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that gives us some like a hope, like, yeah. wow. You know, like Jason have you ever imagined right that your soul was, was not connected to a body? Most most of us think that way because oh. we think, oh, our soul sort of floats above no. us and you know. I mean that's just the way we all we talk about that way. It was anyway. So yeah. when Lazarus rose up and interesting he said Lazarus, he named him so all these yeah. other dead people won't pop up too. But um <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, uh, that, the last, when Lazarus corpus delecti, I don't know. Yeah, uh-huh. So life comes back into the corpse. We stop short of calling it glorified. He, he is alive again. He's not glorified. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I didn't think about that either. Well, he said God will because be glorified. Our body would be, our body is considered a glorified body, the new body, like Jesus. Is yes. I think yeah. he, huh. I think he's back. He's, he, you know, it's yeah. like today I was praying with Dustin Grant about, you know, Lord, just put those cells back the way they're supposed to be. You designed all those cells and take the rogue cells out and put the new regenerative cells you create for right. us. Replace right. them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's just all I could think of to pray. Your will be done. Ongoingly, everybody's praying for that. Um, so Chuck Smith, he kind of said to this, because uh, I kind of like to listen to Chuck Smith once in a while, and he was saying how Jesus is, but Lazarus is sleeping. And that's a, that's uh, a, a term for Christians, believers, who are, are dead. Mm-hmm. But, but it's not soulless, it's not soul sleep, because there is no soul sleep. Well, that's, and, again, the point of... Yeah, the idea in the, the whole Catholic world and, you know, that whole thing predatory. where... Right. Yeah. So, because uh, there's other there's other references where uh, people are conscious. And, and the 144,000, if they're, if they were people or... Um, yeah, probably just... Long? So, so it's... Who did you say about called by his name? They called him by his name, right? Mm-hmm. And then call someone else, right? So... One of the strangest passages, and I think it's in Matthew, that what happens when Jesus rose from the dead, that a bunch of resurrected bodies also rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. It's one of the strangest verses you go, because you would think, like, <laughs> this is where we get our zombie movies from, but we, you would think, like, like there's no common about it, there's no nothing, there, there, it's only there, in one gospel, prophetic. I think. You know, well, it is prophetic. There was a, there was, that, that it was just meeting prophecy. Right. But. It's yet one of the other many. I want, I go, did people see these, bought these new resurrected people walking around that. And, and then, <laughs> and then like, just kill those guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But there's no fear. They're not, they're normal people. I don't know. They're not like raining light coming out of them. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're not just normal, like normal people. But, right. Yeah. Which, uh, I'd have to, I think, um, 
I'm pretty sure, no, it's, it's, if anybody can, because it is an interesting, I'm pretty sure it's Matthew, and I could be wrong, but let's just see if I can find it real quick. Um, it's just one of those ones, especially since we're talking about the resurrection. Um, uh, judgment, Lord's Supper. Is that why the earth quaked? Well, yeah, it is right media. there. It's right there. Do you know where that... So that's... It's like the very last chapter. Yeah, the death of Jesus. Oh, here, okay. Big earthquake. Jesus. Okay, so here... Okay, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, which again, so you guys know, that is just phenomenally amazing because this curtain, they think, was almost four feet thick. So the ability for this curtain to be torn is what separates the holy from the holy of holies. The ability for this curtain to just tear is like not going to happen unless God does that. The two, okay, yeah, this is it. No, everyone, this is it. So this is Matthew 27. I hope you guys won't have nightmares tonight, but this is Matthew 27, um, verse 51. So it says, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This is immediately when Jesus, this, so this happens, it says, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Mm. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, resurrection, they went into the holiest city and appeared to many. I haven't read this for a long time. So other people witnessed this. Mind like, Whoa. But they were a certain category. They were saints. And that, that explains the, the, the guys on the road that said, dude, are you the only guy in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happening? Yeah, mm. so Luke, yeah, Luke 24. Mm. Yeah. The Emmaus Road story. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so a lot of <laughs> things you just go, woo. <laughs> we don't, we do not understand that we will get to understand. Hopefully. But we would probably see them as just like, you know, the guy died in 1920 or whatever. He's back to our room now, right? But he's just normal. He's, he's just like Daniel or me sitting here. It's not like there's some, uh, there's not a light coming out of his eyes. Or or decrepit. He's just he's just here. He's and I think yeah, I think it's interesting. The thing that that it keeps, if I keep reading it, with the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. In other words, seeing these people come out. Mm-hmm. Okay, they were filled with awe. And what is their reaction? Mm-hmm. This was truly the Son of God. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a predecessor to what was to come when Jesus came out of the tomb and was resurrected. Mm. Yeah. They're like, okay guys, you know, yeah. these are the saints that came out, but the big show's in a few days. That's probably why they posted a guard. Right. Well, they, they, they posted the guard so that make sure so they, they wouldn't be funny So he wouldn't be stolen. Yeah. 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 Um, so they couldn't yeah, say he was going to they talk in Revelation about a room that the souls are waiting in when their bodies pass on earth? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe let's go down look and see. Yeah, the problem is, even though you hear, a robe, you yeah, know, you sit in your robe and you wait 
for the the whole play of Revelation yeah. to play out. And once it happens, then we're giving our we're giving our bodies. Back. Well, I know that's what yeah. I don't know. That's why I say it doesn't. Yeah, I think this whole thing brings up like a super I don't know untalked about but like interesting just conversation because like I was listening to this podcast once uh, about this guy. He's like a an Old Testament scholar, and he was talking about like some of the Jewish traditions and like why they um, would bury people the way they would. And I think part of it is what like. Martha says, you know, I know that he will rise um, again in the resurrection on the last day, but, like, I think it brings up, like, an interesting conversation of, like, I, I don't think the Bible's given us a dark answer to, like, what happens to all these bodies who, you know, like, people who've been blown up in a war who are Christian, right, or just burned to death, or, you know, the bodies that are gone, I mean, obviously points to something divine's going to happen, but... Well, I mean, that's why I think, and if I... We go back to look at First Corinthians 15. You know, Paul talks about the perishable and the imperishable body. That we're given an imperishable body. So our body. That's why when people would freak out, like I think, I think the Catholic religion maybe tries to say yeah, you shouldn't cremated. get cremated. If I remember right, I'm right. not yes. sure. Religion. Because somehow they believe that the earthly body is somehow Connected. tied still to the. Heavenly body, and, and Paul says in First Corinthians 15, like, no, I mean, this is this this is a perishable body, perishable. I mean, we see that happening to Lazarus; it's it's perishing. So, this isn't your body anymore when you die. The question is, where are you? Sounds like the Jewish tradition kind of came from an Egyptian, because you know they mummified and thought that that's. But, what, but what's interesting is that Jews do not mummify. Well, they so, they wrap and they put you know oils and spices on them or for whatever. Right. So here's what happened. I'm glad you brought that. Egyptians embalm them. Right. So the Egyptians embalm them so the body stays. So you don't like all descendant. You know you don't. Okay. With Jews to finish off, when they bury someone, they first of all put them into this like tomb. Okay. That have a stone over it. And they do that for a number, a certain amount of days. And then they take the body, which is not much of a body anymore, and they bury it. So they don't really try to, um, at this point, the body means it's been out. <laughs> it's obviously yes. bones or yes. something now, right? And then they take those bones and they actually do bury those. Um, but they have this process they go through where they let the body, it sounds weird, but they let the body decompose, actually. Maybe it's because they thought people died and they didn't really die. They were in a coma or something, or whatever. Because uh, yeah. when you're dead, you're supposed to be dead. Dead. <laughs> so not to dead, Egyptians, but not all um, dead. Not to Egyptians. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So. I think, I think the, the fact that we don't know is, is all part of the point. It's just so much more simple. Yeah, I am the mystery. resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Mm-hmm. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That's all you need. Okay. That's all you need to know. Yeah, but the, right. de- the details are the details are not important. The, the, oh, we're not given the details, so anything right. else is speculation. It's all it is speculation, right? My, right. Yeah. Um, My so accepted at face value. Look on page seventy-two. Amen. And. Um, I want you, yeah, I just want you to look. So I want you to, uh, you know, 
obviously, I want to say obviously, I think it's obvious our discussion, that a lot of what Jesus is doing with Lazarus is pre-configured, prophetically showing what's going to happen ultimately to him, right, of the resurrection. So I want you to look at what happens to Lazarus, and I want you to contrast that with what happens to Jesus. Alright, so what's similar and what's not similar? So, if you look at, you know, verse 38, Then Jesus deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an order, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you, you have heard me. And then he calls Lazarus out, and Lazarus comes out. So, what is taking that whole section there, 38 to 44, what's different about Jesus' disappeared. Jesus resurrection? Je- Jesus just wasn't there. That, okay, that's right. Jesus wasn't there. What was, was there? The linens. The, the linens. The linens, and what state were the linens in? They were, like they were folded. They That's were right. Together, yeah. Okay. So th- exactly. So what else? So what other differences? The amount of time. Four days versus. Okay. All right. Good. Two. Different time. Mm-hmm. All right. What else? Well, the big one is that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead mm-hmm. and Jesus raised Jesus from the dead. Well, who raised Jesus from the dead? God. Well, the, the Father. Well, the, the, yeah. the, who raised Jesus from the dead? The Father. God. The, the, the all of them. You guys, okay. So, the Spirit of God is who raised Jesus from the dead. In fact, in Romans 8, it says... That it was that, and that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is that same spirit that lives in each one of mm-hmm. us today. Right. So if you ever think that nothing, that I mean, nothing's impossible for God, right? That very spirit, that spirit. raised, yes, right, mm-hmm. raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in us today. Like wow, mm-hmm. <laughs> you really try to to mm-hmm. grasp that. That makes me weep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, <clears throat> What happened with the stones and stuff with Jesus? So what's different here? The, no man moved the stone. Where, where was so here? Where was the stone? Over the mouth of the cave. Right, and they came up to it, and there was a stone. What happened with Jesus? Stone was rolled rolled away. Very good, excellent. Okay. Angels yeah. moved the stone. Well, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Okay. Anything else you guys can think of? That's yeah, Eric. Um, picking up right where you left off, 41, on page 72. Mm-hmm. So they took away the stone, yeah. and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear mm. me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I think the important thing there is, is that all of the other encounters of healings, Jesus was close physically. And here, instead of going into the cave and healing him, 
and then walking out with him. Oh, interesting. He was not in the physical presence of the person that he healed. And I think that, that's interesting. That's good. That's that's to- totally different than all the other healings that he did because everybody saw him together. And okay, well, this is another level of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also makes it more theatrical too, you know, yeah. which makes an imprint on everybody around. Exactly. Right. Well, he, he's he's stating here definitively the father, right? He's saying father. Mm-hmm. I thank you. I know you always hear me, but I'm saying this so that they will believe you sent me. Right. Yeah. Right. Here's so it's legitimizing his being sent. And he said this at the very beginning of opening this chapter, saying, "I'm doing this so it's being glorified." Yeah. Right. It's showtime. Yeah. I mean, that's it. <laughs> this is. And, I, and what Daniel just said, notice that said he just Daniel used the word impressed. So this all happened yeah. to impress them. Well, it, that's exactly what happens. Because at 45, it says, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, <coughs> believed in him. Pissist mm-hmm. in him. The whole theme of John, that people would believe. The whole reason why he's doing the signs and miracles, that people will believe. Yep. Right? So yep. you just see this constant theme. I'm doing all this for the Father to be glorified and for people to know that I was sent by him. Believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, may I share another couple uh-huh. things yeah, that, that, that struck, struck me? Um, the, these things, I think, speak to uh, what we were covering last week. And and uh, <coughs> and tell me, I I feel like this this said somewhere else, and I'm not quite sure where. And I think it refers back to this. Um, but starting at 48, if we let him go on, there's two things. There's one. It's the it's the Pharisees said, Henry, whoever conspiring here, um, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Mm-hmm. And their conclusion is that, and the Romans will come and take away both our place, yeah. our place, our, our status, and our nation. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating to me. That's the conclusion that you came to. Then you must believe that he really is who he says he is. Of course. <laughs> right? And then, yeah. but one of them... It's not just one of them, it's the one of them. Yeah, the one of them, yeah, the, one of them the leader, Caiaphas. Who's like, who's said to them, now this this is the part where I feel like this is somewhere else. And I'm not, I'm not sure about it. You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people... One, not that, not, excuse me, not that the whole nation should perish. Mm-hmm. And that this, so he... Keep he did, reading, just keep reading. He did not say this on his own accord. He did not say this on his own accord. Right. But, being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And that, and not for the nation only, but yeah. also to gather into one into one, the children of God were scattered abroad. Yeah. So that, th- that always was like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. So is that inspired by God? Yeah. Or, well, or, yes. yeah, and so and that, did God, God somehow, without Caiaphas even knowing, the Spirit spoke through Caiaphas. It doesn't say this, but I'm sort of 
paraphrasing. Yeah, well, I'm paraphrasing. I'm maybe <coughs> a spirit, but it, it would be God. It, the way He speaks to people is a spirit. And in essence, saying He didn't know He was saying this, but what He was saying was true, and He didn't really know what He was saying was true because somehow God worked through what He was saying. The actual true prophecy, which is exactly what Jesus came for. So, right? so this is okay. So John wrote this, right? Right. So he's recounting now. Now, Caiaphas did not presumably tell everyone the, the reasoning behind what he said, right. right? But somehow, we're being told this, right? right. That's always one of those interesting things. Was John, it, was John being divinely uh, well, remember John. All this regard? stuff has already happened, right? Right. Yes, exactly. And John's now giving you a theological, what we should call, account of the history of what's happened to Jesus. In other words, he's saying, "I'm going to tell you the story of Jesus, but I'm going to tell you as I'm going along some things you didn't know." Sure. Behind the scenes, right? Okay, but the, that's but, what he's doing. But the only way he could have come to that conclusion is if he was divinely. Shared John, with John which as, the, as the author of this, exactly. to know this was why Caiaphas said that, right? Right. So in the, room. And, and the, the idea of Caiaphas yeah. is that you know nothing yeah. at all, nor do you understand. Uh huh. Right. That's like that's a pretty wild statement. <laughs> it's it's better that one man should die for the people. So he's saying that for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. So. I wonder if, well, if he was thinking more politically. He, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, um, but while God spoke truthfully through him, I think probably Caiaphas was thinking something completely different. Than uh-huh. I agree he, with He you, was Gil. justifying what they had just yeah. said. Yeah. It, it right. Was, and I think what Gil just said is why you have the commentary here, because Caiaphas is saying one thing when John's telling us, yeah. well, really, this is what it meant. Caiaphas didn't even realize that. But what's fascinating you know, is he's saying, saying politically the same exact thing they just said. Yeah. Uh-huh. So why would he say, you know nothing? Yeah, that's what... what, 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 what right? You do not understand. And then he goes ahead and says the same exact thing. Right? The result of what oh, you're I saying see, would yeah, be this, see, right? Yeah. Hmm. So this begs the question... Can a non-believer prophesize? Um, God can. God can speak to who God wants to speak. That's what God's saying in all of Isaiah. He's just going, "Hey, quit, quit giving credit to anyone else. I'm the one making all the wheels turn here." Yeah, I, I, I would say, does he usually do that? No, but does, can he do that? Yes, he did it here. He's doing it here, right? Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, as I read yeah. it, it's, it's because they're talking about, you know, the. Out of Romans will take our place and take our nation. So like, that's what they're saying. And then Caiaphas comes after that, like saying it's better that one man should die. So it's almost like he's like using Jesus as like, or at least he thinks it's like Jesus like going to be some political state scapegoat. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because so structure here, the Sanhedrin, uh, the Sanhedrin, yeah, which is Caiaphas. This is their part of the Sanhedrin. They're, they're, as we find out, they're, uh, they're obviously one, one of the top leaders, if not the top leader responsible for Jesus getting crucified. They're the ones who sort of made everything happen. Um, they are like this with the Roman government. And they've, in our language, they've sold their souls to the Roman government. So the Roman government works with them to make sure 
the peace is kept in Jerusalem. And that there's no uprisings and everything. So what you really have when you see the Sanhedrin like this working, they are working politically. They're in cahoots with Rome and the Roman go- the go- governing system to say, hey, you let us do our things. We'll take care of our Jews. But you, you, you've got to, you know, to, to Caiaphas and to the Sanhedrin, you've got to keep your people under control. Mm-hmm. So they are, they are really at, they're really in cahoots with the Roman government. To just make sure all that happens. Otherwise, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't think Caesar's a god. And that's yeah. what they want to keep yeah. going. But it sounds like here, Caiaphas is actually a believer, but he's not going to well, fall for it. I just it never says Caiaphas. I don't know if yeah. it ever says Caiaphas. No, but it's, it, it, it just kind of sounds like, just shut up, because you're going to ruin something if this gets out. So it almost well, means, it almost it's like he's he he agrees with it, but he's he's... You know, he wants to keep at peace with, with the Romans, so he's compromising his soul, but it sounds like he kind of, kind of gets it. Yeah. He's trying but to he, stop a movement. But, but, yeah. but he's, he's yeah. convicted because he received this word from God. So that, that's the thing. That's what, so to me, that, that is such a critical thing in terms yeah. of understanding the position of the Jews in this whole scheme that is so radical, right? He's just going, Hey, you guys don't know what you're talking about. I received a prophecy, and this is what God told me to do, and we're going to do it, and we're going to be justified in it, and everything's cool. Right? That was, I think, his position. Everyone else was thinking politically. He thought, you guys don't get it. It doesn't this really by God. It doesn't really say past tense on the prophecy thing. It was more of, you know, he didn't realize at the time that he was saying that, that yeah, he was right. prophesizing that Jesus is going to die to fulfill prophecy. <laughs> Does right. that make sense to you? You know what I mean? It's like it's I, I, happening. I, 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 it's I, I, happening in real time. Of, yeah. of I, anything. I think, well, Caiaphas is saying he's saying well, that year he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. While he's talking, that was the year. Yes, but right. he, that year. So prophesied. I mean, it's yeah. hard to say. So, so Caiaphas. I don't know. Caiaphas is sort of thinking politically. He's thinking it's okay to let this one man. We want to make sure, when he's saying the whole nation, he wants to make sure that the Jews, that the Romans don't come in and obliterate the Jews. He's trying to protect his, the people the, the, in a why political way. With the whole prophecy yeah. thing, why because in? John's he, retelling he a story. Are right, let's do it. John's retelling a story. Yeah. Right. And it might have been a whole other year before they put Jesus to the cross. You know, so that year that he said this, that hey, is it better for one man to die to save the nation? That was that year. And maybe the next year, Jesus died. But as he's saying it, he's prophesizing that, or he's completing prophecy that Jesus will die. Dude, okay, here's what it says. Here's what it says. I I know. (laughs) He did not say this on his own accord. Right, right. Okay, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. Right. Not for the nation only. John is writing that. Right, that's That's a past tense. he did not right. say this on his own accord. Right. John is now telling you, he's going back in time telling a story of what already happened. He's putting yeah. his commentary in. Yeah. And he's saying, Caiaphas said this. And Caiaphas didn't really realize at the time. That what he, at the time, that what he really was doing was a prophecy for what was originally going to happen to Jesus a year later in the cross. Right. So actually Daniel's, I would, I would say here, what Daniel's saying is probably, is right. That you're not, this is not what's happening. 
Caiaphas doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> he's speaking. John's saying, hey, when Caiaphas said this, he actually was told, in essence, by God to say this. He didn't realize it was a prophecy of what ultimately Jesus is going to do. He had no clue Jesus was going to die at this point. So John's telling you that to, to sort of continue to build this um so, and if I might add, because he's the high priest, his word carried weight. So yeah. what you what what the, what the crux of this is, yeah. when he said that, he didn't know what he was saying. Why would he say, then, you know nothing you do not understand? Because he's saying, hey, we got to get this guy, we got to put this no, guy But down. they're all saying the same thing. No, not necessarily. So if we don't he do something about this guy, then we're, right. you know, we're going to lose our position. He congealed that thought into a direct you know, line of attack. So perhaps it was him just claiming total authority by, by yeah. cutting them down? I don't know. It seems as though he says that with such a level of conviction. Well, realize what he's, he's responding just to. Kind of what yeah. right. So Caiaphas is responding. You know nothing. You know, he's responding to the statement. So the chief priests and Pharisees gathered at the council and said, what are we to do? Like this. Yeah. Well, this man performs many signs. Yeah. Yeah. And then they say, and remember the Pharisees is different than the, than the Sadducees. None yeah. of them said that okay. they were going to kill him. So we actually talk about two different sects well. of Judaism clashing here. Okay, they, they have been trying to kill him multiple times. Yeah, but he's saying if we let this go on like this and stuff, or whatever, Caiaphas says, "Yeah, we get, we just got to put this guy down, you know, to save our nation. We got to put this guy down." Yeah. End of story. You guys know nothing. This this guy's just got to die. End of story. Quit worrying about all the periphery. This guy's got to die. We've got to they for Caiaphas it's all about protecting the Roman the protect well it's sure, actually yeah, really all about right. protecting them. Caiaphas. It's them. It's because, the, it's the fake nation. Because if they don't take control, Roman's gonna come in and say, see a see a um You're not you doing know, the job. Yeah, you see a Caiaphas, you're gone. Alright. Caiaphas was he was super politically smart. Sure. He had been the high priest for eleven years, I think, at this point. So, but it only says for one year. But it actually doesn't. It just says that that year. year. That year. Yeah. Okay. So it's saying the year this happened, he was the high priest, but he had already been high priest for like eleven years, which okay. is very unusual. So he's he's a smart cookie. Well, and to powerful. Stand that. Yeah, very powerful. He would be a number one if he wasn't smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what, what you what book of the Bible talks about um, Titus's? the Roman general, when he besieges Jerusalem and walls up Jerusalem, and Jerusalem kind of goes under attack, but they they fortify themselves. And what time is this? What, what time in history? I don't know if that's before or after this, but I think the point is, is that I think Titus was before Christ's time, possibly. Anybody know? I, mean, I don't know. Titus. You're talking about the tear down of, of Jerusalem? Yeah. Are you talking about that 70 AD? 70 AD. Is that? It's right after. Oh, you mean yeah. when, the, when Romans came okay. in and actually demoed it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. when they walled themselves up and they, you know, it, yeah, it was pretty horrific for them. And that was after Jesus. Okay, okay that was yeah, after Jesus. Yeah, that's 70 AD. They tear down the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. After yeah. Stone. So that, yeah. 30 years after. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And they feel it. They know it. I mean, they know what's, you know. What could possibly happen? So when he says he prophesies, so what it, what what I'm getting here is that 
Caiaphas publicly prophesies this. He just made a public statement that Jesus is going to have to die, and that justifies all the actions down here below, which is, anyone sees Jesus, you let us know, so we're going to arrest, because we have to arrest this guy. Right. Uh So he's the one that made the prophecy. He didn't receive a prophecy. He just didn't realize he was making a prophecy. Right, yeah. Well, until (laughs) afterwards, then he he declares that I'm I'm prophesying this. Like he said this, and John's saying, he didn't realize that he was actually talking about something that was really going to happen, but that was to Jesus. Right. So, so, that, okay. <laughs> this is the cool part. Okay, so this is... Guys, and then we'll wrap it up. We're all like, so we're into this. This is good. Just no, it's all good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. in the last, last week, right? So the whole idea that Jesus comes in and dupes Satan and the evilness to kill him so that he can, in fact, descend and conquer and just remind them, I win. Sorry, guys. You just played right into my hand, right? And yeah. and I got you to do exactly what I wanted you to do, right? So as always, as always. But that so okay. So this that that clears that up. That's cool. Yeah. That's, All right. The message. Hey, the message yeah, says he he didn't say this. It was only for but as chief priest that year, he unwittingly <laughs> prophesied that Jesus was about to die sacrificially. For the nation, and not only for the nation, but that all God's exiled, exiled, scattered children might huh. be gathered together into what version is that? Message. Huh? That's the message. Yeah. So I mean, that that gets Perfect. across the idea. Yeah, the unwittingly. That's a yes. That gets across. Yeah, exactly he was just sending out a political statement yeah, right. to try to get the more people idea. on board with the idea. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, good discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, who would like to close us in prayer? I would. I would love for you to go. And I'm glad you're here tonight. Yeah. We're all glad you're here tonight. So, yeah. Dear Christ. We try to fathom you and read from the text. And we love studying you. Thinking about what you're teaching. And what a wonderful thing that happened with Lazarus in the way it was recorded by John. We thank you for your presence here, for your beauty. We thank you for the fact that the Holy Spirit has been here all evening and that you take delight in our love for you. Praise be to Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.